0: While you're turning there, I want to invite you to return this evening uh, for our evening prayer service. In addition to our time of prayer, we will be starting a series of studies in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Some years ago, we studied 1 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians is, is in many ways, a very different letter. Uh, Where 1 Corinthians uh, is somewhat tense, Paul is dealing with some pretty serious matters, Uh, In the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, while to the same church and has some of the same themes that uh, arise in it, is a much more personal letter. In fact, some have said it's Paul's most personal, most self-revealing letter that he wrote to any of the churches. Uh, It certainly has a great deal to say to us as a church, to us individually as believers living our Christian lives and so I encourage you to return tonight as we take up that study of 2 Corinthians. This morning, however, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We continue our series of studies in this book. Let's look this morning at verses three or chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of God. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank You for this portion of Your Word. And Lord, we ask that as we study it this morning, that Your Spirit would be our teacher, that He would guide us into a deeper understanding of its truths. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Imagine with me for a moment that your bank phoned you last Friday afternoon, and the person on the line said that he had some very good news for you. He said that an anonymous person, someone who loves you very much, has decided to deposit 86,400 pennies into your account beginning Monday morning and every morning after that. 86,400 pennies, that's $864 a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Now, of course, if you're like me, the thought that has come into your mind is voiced by the uh, banker on the other end of the line. He says, there is a catch, however, and you thought, aha, you know, neither had to be. There is a catch. You must spend all that money each day. No balance will be carried over to the next day. Each evening, the bank is instructed to cancel out whatever balance is left that you have not spent. Well, you thank the banker, you hang up, you grab your calculator, and start figuring. 864 times 7 is over $6,000 every week, times 52 equals almost $315,000 available to you each year if you're diligent to spend it all every day because what you don't spend is forfeited. Now, let's move from imagination to reality. It's really not all that much different because someone who loves you very much is giving you something far more valuable than money. Someone who loves you very much is depositing into your bank of time every morning 86,400 seconds of time. 1,440 minutes, 24 hours in every day. And whatever you don't use is forfeited. From one day to the next, there are no rollover minutes. Well, people have all kinds of differences. Some are wealthy, some are poor, some are talented this way, some in others. Some are young, some are old, some are students, some are CEOs and entrepreneurs. But one thing we have in common, every one of us has exactly the same amount of time available to us. Bill Gates has not one more second in his day than you do in yours. Now, as we've been studying Ecclesiastes, uh, as the preacher Kohelet has been looking at life under the sun, life as the secularist might see it, life with God removed from the equation, it's almost inevitable that he would come to the point of pondering time, thinking about Time, After all, time is an invaluable commodity. Like real estate, they don't make any more of it. Time is very much controlling in our lives. Don't waste your time on that. I don't have time for that. Let's make time to get together. Time is a very important part of our lives, and it's obviously a very important part of the preacher in Ecclesiastes. Now, he's thinking about this, uh, about time, and really, you could almost say that time is life. It's, it's the stuff. It's the raw material of life. And within this stuff that we call time, various things happen. We, we do activities. Events occur. You know, some say that time is money, perhaps. But more fundamentally than that, time is choices. Time consists of moving forward, making one choice after another. As the writer says in verse 1, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, all of these things we know from Scripture are determined by the sovereign decree, the sovereign will of Almighty God. God rules over it all, but within that, within His sovereignty, as His creatures, we make choices to do this or that. And hopefully, we make decisions to do what is appropriate, what is right. Wisdom, after all, Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. Wisdom involves knowing the right thing to do at the right time. Sometimes we can do something that's good, but it's not the right time to do it, and it doesn't benefit, it doesn't help. Wisdom involves knowing what to do and when, the right time. Now, as the preacher ponders time here, and in our own choices uh, of time, he lists no fewer than 14 contrasts of familiar Uh, commonplace events, commonplace actions, uh, opposites really, between which life arcs back and forth. And so what we want to do is look at these 14 contrasts that he lists. First of all, in verse 2, a time to give birth or to be born and a time to die it really starts here because these are the two most basic, the two most foundational events of life. The beginning, the end. We come into the world, we depart from the world. And whatever other information you find on a tombstone, pretty much always find the date of one's birth and the date of one's death. We could say that these are the two most foundational events in our lives. Now, Certainly, God is the determiner of when we are born and when we, are, when we die. They say, well, you know, some people take either one into their own hands, uh, and that's true. But even so, God is the one who determined that secondary cause. For example, uh, a woman who's with child may be induced to give birth or may have scheduled a C-section. Someone may take his own life and thus bring about his Death. Well, I can tell you, uh, in either case, they, those things too are under the sovereign reign of God. Uh, Barbara and I picked both of our children's birth dates, uh, and, and I'm sure Barbara would tell you it was time. So the Lord rules, even though human uh, decisions come into play. Time to be born, a time to die. Also in verse 2, mentions a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Now, most of us, I think, didn't grow up down on the farm. Uh, Perhaps you did. I did not. But even so, we have experience with gardening, experience with landscaping, uh, enough experience to know that you have to cooperate with the seasons. You really can't go against the grain. You don't plant. When it's time to harvest, you don't harvest when it's time to plant. You don't just prune bushes whenever you feel like it. We learned that lesson the hard way a couple of years ago when we thought our hydrangeas needed pruning back, and we did it, and the next year produced lots of leaves, but not the first uh, bud, not the first blossom. Well, this principle that it's time to plant, time to pluck up, applies certainly directly in agriculture and planting and reaping, but it also applies on a personal level. Does it not? There are times uh, when we should settle down. There are times when the proper thing to do is to uproot and to move on. Sometimes we think we've settled down when God intervenes and chooses to move us elsewhere. uh, God plants and uproots us, and he does that in his perfect time as well. So there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. In verse 3, there's a time to break down and a time to build up. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just level it to the ground. We see that particularly in older urban areas where uh, construction of long ago uh, is evaluated, and the best thing to do is just raise it to the ground and start over. On the other hand, there are times when uh, it can be saved, it can be restored, and have all the more value because of its age and now restored to a like-new condition, a time to break down and a time to build up. Also in verse 3, and this is an important one, a time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, These words could apply in all kinds of of ways. We think particularly, for instance, of the medical field. Uh, Though not killing in the sense we normally think of it as murder, Uh, inevitably there comes a time when it's time to pull the plug, when it's time to say uh, it's time to die. Uh, But there's also a time when the appropriate thing is for healing, whether through medicine, whether through surgery. Uh, And those are judgment calls sometimes and great wisdom and sometimes anguish is called for It applies in our justice system. Certainly there is a time for rehabilitation of a convicted offender. And there are times when execution is what is called for. It applies on a personal level. Uh, Sometimes if we are attacked, we have the right to defend ourselves, if need be, even with lethal force. Not a contrast or in conflict with the Sermon on the Mount, as we saw when we studied Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, God gives us the right to protect or defend ourselves. Uh, And so this one, too, applies in various ways. Well, in verse 4, we read that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. Have you ever been at a funeral service and the minister said something that was humorous and you laughed? And it it felt awkward. It felt strange. Even though there was nothing wrong with laughing, it was a somber occasion and laughter seemed, seemed odd or seemed out of Place, then you know something of the timing here uh, that he's describing. There is an appropriate time for tears. There is a time when tears are, when mourning is the right thing. Uh, Some are uncomfortable with weeping. Some cover their pain with laughter, an inappropriate laughter. But certainly there is also a time to laugh. Uh, Proverbs warns us about the danger of laughter uh, in the wrong place. Uh, irritating, or even covering up a broken heart. Uh, on the other hand, some people need to laugh, need to get a sense of humor about life. Being able to laugh at the ups and even the downs of of life. Proverbs tells us that a joyful heart is good medicine. Charles Spurgeon, nineteenth century preacher in London, was sometimes criticized for his use of humor. In the pulpit, he was known one time to have commented, If you knew how much I held back, you'd be proud of me. But in a day when uh, that was seen as somewhat strange, he addressed a group, probably of grim faced, proper Englishmen, with these words. He said, There are things in these sermons that may produce smiles, but what of them? The preacher is not quite sure about a smile being a sin. And at any rate, he thinks it less a crime to cause a momentary laughter than a half hour of profound. Slumber. At the same time, I think Spurgeon would agree that even better uh, is a sermon that produces tears, tears of repentance for sin, tears of the joy of salvation. Uh, While the preacher may be humorous, he's never to be a stand-up comedian because of the weightiness of the subject matter. And that's true for us, too. Wisdom calls for knowing when to weep. And wisdom calls for knowing when to be humorous, when to laugh. Verse 5, a time to, or verse, verse 4 rather, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, similar to the one before, to put it another way, there are times to be broken hearted, times to grieve. Uh, we don't really see this practice so much anymore, but the whole practice, for example, of a widow wearing black for a time after the death of her husband indicated that proper period of time that it was time to mourn that it was not time to dance, it was not time to celebrate. Death, uh, divorce, which is the death of a marriage, death of a family, uh, loss of various kinds, all times for mourning, all times for heartache. And there are times for celebration, times when we should dance, when we should celebrate. Sometimes, oddly enough, these come directly on the heels of, or even at the same time with, a time for mourning. For example... In April of 1999, my family both buried and grieved my grandmother, who died in that month, and celebrated the marriage of my sister, who got married in that month. Within well, a couple weeks span, mourning the loss of a grandmother, celebrating the, the the marriage of a sister. And so there's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance, to celebrate. Now verse 5 a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Now that's one of those that perhaps provokes, you know, the kind of scratching your head response. Well, what does that mean? Well, as best I can tell, it may be referring to an agricultural condition they faced in, in growing crops where uh, the, the soil, much as in our own time, would need to be cleared of stones, cleared of rocks in order to make the soil suitable for growing whatever crop was being planted. And so the the removal of stones, getting rid of the stones. Uh, There's also a time for gathering stones, for example, building a wall or some other uh, structure, using stone to do that. Uh, We see this principle in life, getting rid of things, acquiring things, sometimes the same things. I can recall... uh, Many times growing up in South Mississippi, raking up pine straw and putting it out at the street to be carried away because uh, we were surrounded by pine trees. We were in a forest of pine trees and we had all the pine straw we could possibly use and then some. And so I feel a little bit of a twinge of pain when I have to go to the store and pay for pine straw around here. When I recall all those times we hauled it to the street to get rid of it. So it was a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. Also in verse 5, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Sometimes what's needed in a relationship is affirmation, uh, the affirmation of a hug. Um, sometimes what's needed in a relationship is confrontation, uh, the confrontation of loving yet stern words. Sometimes even in a marriage, a hug may be an embrace, may be the appropriate things, maybe because of tension, it may not be time to embrace, maybe not time. To, to hug one another. Verse 6: A time to seek and a time to lose, or maybe it could be translated: A time to give up as lost. Uh, Sometimes it is time to look for something, to try to find something. Sometimes we have to come to the point to say it's lost. We need to uh, make other plans, go in a different direction, whatever it might be. I recall as a kindergartner uh, going to kindergarten, I went to kindergarten in my church. It met where I went to church, the church building. Church had a kindergarten. And I had a toy that I took to kindergarten one day, and I lost a part of that toy somewhere at kindergarten. And there was a shelf where I had put it in a closet. Well, of course, I would go there well after I'd finished kindergarten. I'd still be there for church. And I, I don't remember how many times I went back into the room where the kindergarten was and looked on that shelf to see if that part somehow was there. Maybe it had been overlooked. Maybe I had overlooked it all those times, and I would go back and look to see if, if it was there. Well, long before that, it was time to give up that part as lost and move on. Uh, Wisdom calls for knowing when to seek and when to give up as lost. Now, part of a toy is relatively trivial. Uh, Miners trapped in a mine cave-in. When do you keep looking? When do you finally say it's time to throw in the towel? That's a hard decision, and yet one that has to be made. There is a time to seek, and there is a time to give up as lost. Verse 6, a time to keep, a time to cast away. This is, of course, the dilemma we all face when we clean out our closets, our garages, our basement. What do we keep? What do we give away? What do we sell? What do we put in the garage sale? And it's not always easy to know. Of course, some things we never give away, things that are precious to us for one reason or another. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to sew. Uh, Sometimes there are times to pull things apart. Sometimes time to put them together. Probably most literally this is referring back to grief and joy. Sometimes, as the Jews would do, it's time to tear one's garment in grief or anguish. Sometimes it's time to put a garment together. Maybe a wedding dress for an upcoming wedding and the celebration that that involves. Verse 7, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. That's a hard one. And all too often, if you're like me, you sometimes feel like you've got them reversed. You speak when you should have kept silent, and you're silent and later wish you had spoken up. Although, it's probably usually better to regret not saying something than it is to regret having said something. Something. Better to err often on the side of silence than talk talking too much or saying too much. Of course, the time to speak is not when we're really angry. Uh, James tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness God requires. And Proverbs has a great deal to say about speech and restraint. Care, wisdom in our speech. Verse 8: A time to love. And a time to hate. Love, of course, is a word that is so overused as almost to be meaningless in our culture today. Uh, Biblically, of course, it involves the emotions, but it also involves the action of seeking the good, seeking the well-being of another person. We love someone when we do what we can to promote that person's well-being. Sometimes the love may be painful. A doctor is demonstrating love for his patient when he does something that may hurt in order to heal the patient. We are showing love to someone even if we have to speak words to them that may be painful at the time, but whose purpose is to promote their good. So biblically, love is actively seeking the good of another. And not all hate is bad. There are some things we should hate. Injustice. Corruption. The, the pain, the misery that, that sin causes in people's lives, whether it's sin they themselves have committed or just that this, living in this sinful and fallen world creates in people's lives. The pain of, of things like cancer or injury or alienation relationships, these sorts of things. Ultimately, uh, we should hate all that which is opposed to God. Uh, We don't hate the people. They, like we, need the grace of God, need to be set free from their sin, need to be reconciled to to the Lord God. But we do hate what sin does to people in this world. In verse 8, a time for war and a time for peace. War is a painful, wasteful, costly thing But sometimes war is the right thing. Sometimes war is the necessary thing. Uh, Speaking more on a personal level, sometimes people are much too quick to go to war with another person, metaphorically, sometimes legally. Uh, When obviously, as we've seen in the scriptures, we should make every effort to be peacemakers, both between ourselves and others and among others that we know or friends with. Uh, Most of us won't be peacemakers on an international level, but we can be certainly on a personal level and not declare war on someone because they've offended us or slighted us or maybe even done something very painful to us. And so these are the preacher's reflections as he goes through thinking about time, thinking about the stuff of time, the decisions, the choices that are made. So what are you doing with your 86,400 seconds of time each day? Not really thinking about how productive are you being? What are you doing to make yourself productive? I mean, are you using them wisely? Do you take those seconds and use them to make wise choices? Because you see, the contrast we find here, in many ways, are life. One choice after another. They're the stuff that fills our days, that makes our lives. Much of life is filled with choosing which of these we will do, which of these we should do, and when, in keeping with wisdom. You know, Jesus Himself acknowledged that often timing is everything. A time to be born, Time to die. Galatians 4 tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law. A time to be born, and the father observed that time. In the fullness of time, Christ was born. And, of course, there is a time to die. When Jesus' brothers, we might add unbelieving brothers at this point, did not believe in him, Prodded him to go up to the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem and make himself known to, to get some publicity. You know, if you want a following, go out where the people are. What did Jesus say to them? He said to them, in fact, twice, My time has not yet come. My time has not yet fully come. And in John chapter 13, we read that Jesus was aware that the hour, the time, had come. For Him to depart from this world and return to His Father. In other words, it's time. And Jesus did just that when He died on the cross for the sins of all who would believe in Him. He did it. He died on the cross. So that, as the hymn puts it, When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, we could be with Him in glory. He did it so that we could be saved, so that we could be reconciled to the Lord God Almighty, that He might be our Father in heaven. And when we are with Him in glory, that time will indeed be a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time for peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have given us a tremendous stewardship of the days, the hours, the minutes. The seconds that make up our lives. Father, you do not call us to a frantic busyness, but you call us to a wise stewardship. And Father, every day presents us with new choices, new decisions for how we will use that time. And Father, we pray that in keeping with wisdom, we would use them well. That in each of these contrasts, we would know which is appropriate and when. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.